Hi everyone, it's Joe Wigand from Medora, North Dakota, gateway to Theodore Roosevelt National Park and home to the Theodore Roosevelt Medora Foundation. With their help, we're starting Teddy Talks. The April program is called 26 Days with the 26th President. Each and every day, I'll be reading at length from some of what uh, Theodore Roosevelt wrote and spoke during his lifetime. Uh, as we go through, uh, I hope that you'll understand why Theodore Roosevelt at the State Fair in Minnesota on Labor Day 1901 told the people there to speak softly and carry a big stick. You will go far. Teddy Talks are proudly presented by the Theodore Roosevelt Medora Foundation in Medora, North Dakota. To learn more about visiting or supporting our mission to connect people to the Badlands for positive, life-changing experiences, go to Medora.com. Now, enjoy the pod. Good morning and welcome to Teddy Talks for today, Saturday, May 30th, 2020. I'm your host, Joe Wiegand, and I'm delighted to be with you this morning, as I have every Monday through Saturday in the months of April and May. The concept in April was 26 days with the 26th president. We took Sundays off here, and uh, we did so again in May. Uh, each of those months had 26 days, Monday through Saturday, uh, that we visited June could have given us the possibility of 26 days more if we kept that Monday through Saturday pattern. But perhaps uh, uh, we're going to enjoy ourselves now on a weekly basis as we do uh, a Teddy Talk on Saturday mornings. And we'll move the live broadcast back an hour so that uh, the program will begin at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. here in the Mountain Time Zone, and 7 a.m. Pacific. I thank each and every one of you that has either uh, been with us from the beginning or stopped by and visited on occasion. I hope that uh, you've enjoyed hearing from Theodore Roosevelt at length, things that he wrote, said, uh, discussions of what he did uh, on a particular date during his lifetime as a young general assemblyman, as a cattle rancher here in the Dakota Territory, later in life, social, uh, uh, civil service commissioner, president of the board of police commissioners of New York City, and uh, of course, colonel in the Rough Riders, governor of New York, vice president and president of the United States, and, and so much more. Author of over 30 books, and uh, we'll uh, continue to delve into uh, the writings of Theodore Roosevelt and programs ahead. And I hope that uh, you'll make suggestions, offer comments, ask questions, I have made some promises to some of the uh, viewers and listeners out there to address particular topics. I'll review all of those notes and comments that you've made and make sure that we're addressing those issues and questions going forward. And uh, you've really inspired me to uh, take opportunities that are available to us uh, and uh, make the most of them. But for me, the entire concept uh, as a performer, as a speaker, a lecturer, as an entertainer who uh, takes the uh, persona of Theodore Roosevelt and his writings and uh, attempts to bring an entertaining interpretation of that uh, on stage. Uh, 
doing performances over the internet uh, via a computer, something I was quite hesitant to do. And and uh, some of those early uh, broadcasts, if I can use that name, uh, transmissions uh, that we had uh, are certainly testimony to the fact that I've been on a learning curve. So thank you for your patience and uh, for your support. Uh, I look forward to doing some live performances now. Bill Sorensen, the wonderful comedian, magician, former co-host of the Medora Musical, uh, himself, uh, someone who practiced what he preached. I think definitely uh, uh, Theodore Roosevelt looks down and smiles at uh, Bill Sorensen, not only as an entertainer and a magician, Bill's a scholar, and he knows that Theodore Roosevelt uh, had a friendship uh, uh, with uh, many of the magicians, uh, and uh, most especially Houdini. Uh, and Bill on stage is going to recreate one of the uh, illusions that Houdini performed for Theodore Roosevelt. I believe it was on the trip to Africa that they shared uh, uh, some time together. And uh, Bill uh, also, though, practiced uh, being a good neighbor, a former member of the North Dakota legislature, former mayor of Bismarck, North Dakota, and a man who's just done uh, great kindness to the people here. I'm delighted that I'll share the Bill Sorensen stage at the Old Town Hall Theater in Medora uh, throughout this summer. Uh, Bill, uh, in the short term here, will be doing programs tonight, May 30th, uh, on that stage. Tomorrow night, I'll be on stage, May 31st, and then Bill will perform in an evening show at 7.30, uh, June 1st, 3rd, 5th, etc. I'll go June 2nd, 4th, and 6th, etc. Through the opening of the Medora Musical on June 19th, the Burning Hills Singers, a, a dozen young men and women who sing and dance on that stage, uh, will soon be followed by the Coal Diggers Band, uh, who will join them on stage. Uh, we have had uh, tremendous progress in the state of North Dakota, uh, thanks to our uh, state governor and our state health department, uh, our doctors and nurses, the hospitals and clinics throughout this state, so that just last night, Governor Burgum announced that uh, we are uh, uh, in a better situation now with regards to the uh, recommendations that have come from the state of North Dakota for uh, having entertainments, uh, uh, having meals, uh, uh, doing the kinds of things that we've done for over 55 years here in Medora, uh, first under the uh, leadership of Harold Schaefer and the Gold Seal Corporation, and then at his passing under the Theodore Roosevelt Medora Foundation that he and his family uh, have uh, built up here with the support of people from throughout North Dakota and throughout the country. I'm really glad that you've joined me for this, the uh, program on Saturday, May 30th, 2020. Some of our uh, dates in history, and if you don't mind, a little coffee between uh, late night gardening and the pollen out uh, side this morning, a, a, little, uh, uh, a little toast to you. It was written that Theodore Roosevelt drank a gallon and a half of coffee each and every day. I certainly like a, a couple of cups in the morning. On this date, May 30th, 1539, in Florida, Hernando de Soto uh, lands at Tampa Bay with 600 soldiers uh, with the goal of finding gold. May 30th, 1806, Future United States President Andrew Jackson kills Charles Dickinson in a duel. And uh, let's just be clear, I had to read it a second time. He did not kill the uh, English author Charles Dickens. 
he killed Charles Dickinson, and we should go and, and uh, learn more about uh, Mr. Dickinson. May 30th, 1814, uh, this is the, uh, the birth of Mikhail Alexandrovich Bakunin, uh, a Russian revolutionary anarchist, founder of collectivist anarchism. He is considered amongst the most influential figures of anarchism and a major founder of the social anarchist tradition. Uh, Bakunin's prestige as an activist also made him one of the most famous ideologues in Europe, gaining substantial influence among radicals throughout Russia and Europe. Uh, he would die July 1st, 1876 in Bern, Switzerland. Uh, some of what I've read uh, says that uh, Bakunin was uh, not only an influence on the uh, anarchist movement as it was known in Theodore Roosevelt's lifetime, and most especially during uh, uh, the late 19th century and early 20th century, uh, a good deal of legislation being passed to enable uh, the federal government to uh, engage and counter uh, some of the uh, actions, most especially of the anarchist movement, uh, which manifested itself in, in part uh, uh, in the wing of the uh, international uh, workers uh, of the world, uh, the Wobblies, uh, against whom Theodore Roosevelt spoke. When Theodore Roosevelt would speak of the demagogue attempting to divide class against class, he would certainly have been talking about those who studied Bakunin, who himself was a student of Hegel and Marx and uh, uh, actually spent some time in the United States when he had to uh, flee Europe. Uh, he came to Japan and the United States before going to uh, London. Uh, he'd been uh, uh, hounded out of uh, France and Germany uh, for his revolutionary views and for participating in insurrections in Poland and, and uh, Italy and elsewhere. May 30th, 1854, the Kansas-Nebraska Act becomes law establishing the U.S. territories of Kansas and Nebraska. Of course, this uh, is the uh, a signal uh, legislative achievement of Stephen Douglas, Senator Stephen Douglas from Illinois. Uh, it would set up the 1858 debates between Stephen Douglas and Abraham Lincoln uh, touring throughout the state of Illinois. Uh, great debates uh, on the issues of the day, most especially uh, that of uh, popular sovereignty. Uh, the idea that Douglas advanced that rather than demarking uh, which would be a slave state or a free state by uh, some uh, geographical uh, means, by uh, simply allowing the citizens of that territory in its effort to become a state to vote whether or not they would wish to be free or slave. And of course, this leads to bleeding Kansas. May 30th, 1868, Decoration Day. We mentioned this the other day, the predecessor of the modern Memorial Day. Observed in the United States for the first time, if one sources uh, the earlier uh, uh, proclamation by the uh, Commander-in-Chief of the Grand Army of the Republic, one of Lincoln's friends, General John A. Logan. May 30th, 1883, in New York City, a stampede on the recently opened Brooklyn Bridge killed 12 people. Um, Theodore Roosevelt's uncle, Robert Roosevelt, a one-term member of Congress uh, as a Democrat, was a commissioner on the uh, Brooklyn Bridge Commission. And uh, the book by David McCullough, uh, I think it's called The Brooklyn Bridge by David McCullough, Again, just another one of those uh, books written by David McCullough that gives us a great insight, not only on American history, but in the, uh, on the, the milieu of uh, social and economic and 
uh, uh, conditions and innovations that formed the time in which Theodore Roosevelt came to prominence. May 30th, 1899, Pearl Hart, a female outlaw of the Old West, robs a stagecoach 30 miles southeast of Globe, Arizona. Uh, and of course, that's Arizona territory. And uh, Globe, certainly uh, uh, one of the mining towns in which some of the Rough Riders uh, uh, either lived prior to the war, uh, uh, the Spanish-American War, or, or went back uh, to their civilian and mining life afterwards. May 30th, 1908, the birth in San Francisco, California of Melvin Jerome Blanc. Mel Blanc, American voice actor and radio personality. Uh, perhaps I'm indulging in this. I, I pick and choose some of our birth and death uh, uh, cameo appearances, uh, perhaps given my own proclivity, sometimes challenging myself. I've greatly enjoyed uh, adding more women to what my father uh, often labeled his story, uh, uh, dominated by male figures. After beginning his over 60-year career performing in radio, Mel Blanc became known for his work in animation as the voices of Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, and most of the other characters from the Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies theatrical cartoons during the golden age of American animation. He later voiced characters for Hanna-Barbera's television cartoons, including Barney Rubble on the Flintstone and Mr. Spacely on the Jetsons. I uh, uh, perhaps indulge in Mel Blanc for so many of my Saturday mornings were spent with his cartoons. May 30th, 1909, the birth in Chicago, Illinois of Benny Goodman, the American clarinet player, songwriter, band leader, the King of Swing, uh, would die June 13th, 1986, New York, New York. May 30th, 1911, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the first Indianapolis 500 ends with Ray Heron in his Marmon Wasp, becoming the first winner of the 500-mile auto race. May 30th, 1911, the death in Springfield, Massachusetts of Milton Bradley, the American businessman who founded the Milton Bradley Company, the manufacturer of, of uh, so many of the board games uh, with which we are familiar. May 30th, 1912, the death of Wilbur Wright, uh, the American pilot and businessman co-founded uh, with his brother Orville the Wright Company. He died of typhoid fever uh, at the age of 44 at that time. May 30th, 1922, the Lincoln Memorial is dedicated in Washington, D.C. May 30th, 1958, Memorial Day, the remains of two unidentified American servicemen killed in action during World War II and the Korean War, respectively, are buried at the tomb of the unknown soldier in Arlington National Cemetery. If uh, you've visited uh, the tomb of the unknown soldier, at Arlington National Cemetery. I, I hope you've been able to, uh, to visit, see the changing of the guard there, very inspiring. That uh, first unknown soldier entombed uh, after World War I, the remains of that soldier were brought back to the United States on board the USS Olympia. And that was uh, uh, Admiral Dewey's uh, command ship, his flagship at the Battle of Manila Harbor. And, that ship you can visit today at the Independent Seaport Museum in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Two speeches today from uh, New York City uh, by Theodore Roosevelt, then governor of New York on this date, May 30th, 1899. 
the first at uh, Grant's Tomb, and uh, uh, the next at the Metropolitan Opera House of New York City on that date. At Grant's Tomb, to the men of the Grand Army, I regard the opportunity to speak to you today on such an occasion before this tomb of all tombs in the world, save that containing the body of Abraham Lincoln, as a special honor. And in what I have to say, I shall pay special homage to you by seeking to apply to our needs of the present day the lessons you taught in the past. We can best pay reverence to the name and memory General Grant, by living today up to the principles he taught, fought, and lived for, we can do our duties as citizens best by taking to our hearts the principles of citizenship for which you gave your youth and thousands of your comrades gave their lives. I think the history of the great captain of the Civil War should be studied by all citizens especially for two points. One was the note of unyielding resolution in the face of an armed foe. The other, the note of firm and generous magnanimity once that foe was disarmed. I think we can afford to practice the lesson taught by these things today. I think we will do well to remember that our flag cannot go back before an armed foe that we can only treat with an, un, with an armed foe when the supremacy of our flag is acknowledged. But once that is acknowledged, then we are bound to see that wherever the flag floats, justice, mercy, and peace shall prevail. I don't have to ask you men of the great war to remember that the two things must go hand in hand. I don't need to tell you if General Grant had said at Fort Donelson Yes, I am a man of peace. Go back in your lines and take your horses and your guns with you. That if he had shown mercy there, it would have meant years more of grief and bloodshed. But again, if he had not shown mercy and justice afterward at Appomattox, it would have meant a widening, perhaps a perpetual widening, of the breach between us and our brethren. There is a time to be just and there is a time to be merciful. There is a time for unyielding resolution and a time for the hand of fellowship and brotherly love. The great man is the man who knows the time for one and the time for the other. In facing the difficulties the Republic now has before it, it must follow the example of General Grant. It must insist that no armed enemy within the territory that has come into our possession through the war with Spain, must be permitted to dictate terms to it. To show weakness now would be to invite trouble in the future, when once we have carried the point that peace must come and that our flag must wave over that peace, then we are in honor bound to see that that peace is of the same advantage to the people of the tropical islands of the sea as it is to us. We are in honor, bound to see that our flag is the symbol of justice in peace as well as in war. Here we stand today at home in our own country, in the midst of this glorious spring weather and with prosperity around us, while in the sweltering heat of the Philippines, 
Our men are fighting for the flag, the same as you fought for it from 1861 to 1865. These men have the right to demand of us that we think of them, that we shall know what they are doing and what they are suffering, but not with maudlin sympathy or regret. Small is my respect for any young American who, with the opportunity before him and no ties to keep him home, would not hasten out to serve under Otis, Lawton, and MacArthur, to follow gallant Funston, as they strive to add new laurels to the flag that you men fought for. Let us uphold these men who are fighting in the Philippines in everything. Let us realize that they are showing in this generation the qualities you showed in the one before them. Let us show that we appreciate these qualities, qualities that make us proud of our American citizenship. And remember that they are now contending with the same things that you contended with in your time. It has not been a great war that we have just gone through. Our volunteers and regulars fought for months where you fought for years. They fought tens of thousands of men where you fought hundreds of thousands. But they are now giving the best of their courage, hopes, faith, and blood for the flag as you gave yours 35 years ago. Uphold their hands as yours were upheld. You had your Valendigams. We have ours now. But the Valendigams of today are a feeble foe and cannot do as much as they would like to do. Remember that when final victory comes, as come it must, we then have the heavier duties of peace upon us. Remember when order is restored in these islands that we are responsible for them. It will be a bitter shame to us if peace, prosperity, and well-being do not follow the restoration of order. We must learn our duties as much by the lessons we are not proud of as by those that we are proud of. Let us not be afraid of facts, be they pleasant or unpleasant. I saw in a newspaper report the other day that a town in Alaska had petitioned to be taken out from under our flag and annexed to Canada, because for years it has struggled in vain to get a proper government from us. Every American must bow his head in shame when he thinks of such a request coming from a place under our control, that such a request should be born of our negligence in the past. Let us, through our representatives in Congress, by the contrast stirring up of public opinion, see that our new dependencies get proper treatment. You men fought for two principles, union and liberty, that our nation would be a mighty one and a free one. You fought for and established the principle that each man should be treated according to his individual merits and not according to race or creed. Until this is done in the present crisis, we will have not have learned the lesson you taught us. Let us make our flag indeed, and not merely in name, a flag of freedom for all orderly and law-abiding men. We have serious problems abroad, but more serious ones at home. Ultimately, no nation can be great unless its greatness is laid on foundations of righteousness and decency. We cannot do great deeds as a nation unless we are willing to do the small things that make up the sum of greatness, unless we believe in energy and thrift, unless we believe that we have more to do than simply accomplish material prosperity, 
unless, in short, we do our full duty as private citizens interested alike in the honor of the state. We can play our part properly only by preparing to play it in advance. Out in the river here, you can see one of the ships that did such noble work in the fight off Santiago. Remember that this ship, like all the others, did its work so well in war because it was prepared for it in time of peace. Men of the Grand Army, I speak to you today as citizens who have been citizen soldiers. I speak to you as Americans who know that all Americans are ready for any sacrifices to protect the nation from domestic malice or foreign levy. And I congratulate you on your yearly tribute to your great captain and comrade of the Civil War. There was a reference here, and I think uh, I don't always stop and go back to the uh, references that Theodore Roosevelt makes, uh, but the, uh, the name, uh, again, uh, is uh, of such a unique uh, condition that I thought uh, you might have a question as I did. Uh, the Vallandigham's, uh, and it might be Vallandigham, V-A-L-L-A-N-D-I-G-H-A-M. Uh, he was a member of Congress from Ohio, a copperhead. Uh, his actions in speaking out and taking action against the interests of the Union in the early years of the war uh, led to his banishment to the Confederacy in 1863. And uh, you will, in the uh, speeches of Theodore Roosevelt, hear him speak out uh, against uh, some of the opponents of uh, a united effort in this country uh, by uh, uh, referencing the copperheads uh, with which the uh, uh, Union had to deal, northern supporters, sympathizers of the Confederate cause, some of them actually providing uh, financial means uh, and intelligence uh, to the Confederacy during the war. And finally, the address of Theodore Roosevelt to the Grand Army of the Republic, uh, the Veterans Organization, established to uh, live up to the request of President Lincoln at Gettysburg that we uh, bind up the nation's wounds and care for the widow and the orphan uh, and for the uh, soldier who bore the, uh, uh, the weight of the war. Uh, this is a shorter speech by Governor Roosevelt, May 30th, 1899, at the, at the Met, the Metropolitan Opera House. Men whom I should have called comrades if I didn't feel that your war too big for ours to be set beside it. We of this generation looking at your records who have fought the wars of the past can say one thing, that we have the spirit anyway, and if we had been called upon to perform such a task as yours, we should have tried our best to do it. We have learned a right I hope the lesson taught in the great years of the Republic, the days of Lincoln and Grant and Sherman and Farragut, and while our war didn't last long enough to bring the strain upon our strength and endurance, and while our task was over so quickly that we had no time to develop men who should stand in point of deeds done beside the great captains of the Civil War, we did add luster to the arms of the Republic almost as great as we added in that war. I won't say that there is anyone who can quite come beside Farragut, but Dewey presses him mighty hard. And ladies and gentlemen, comrades, if you'll allow it, when I say that Dewey presses Farragut hard, I only say what every sailor who served under Farragut, under Farragut would agree to. 
The men who went to the war last year went with the wholesome feeling that they would be ashamed to come back unless they fought as you had fought. It is no small thing to teach a nation such a lesson. Besides the victory, you left the memory. You have made it indeed difficult for the country ever to fall short of its duty and have put it under the greatest possible burden of obligation, the obligation to be true to the best purposes of our national life. When you had won the victory, you came back once more to your useful pursuits and served your country in peace as you had in war. This too is a necessary of a nation's greatness, that her citizens should be thrifty and industrious, further that they should have a high standard of personal honor and of civic honor. The man who would feel an honest pride in his country must be as sensitive to an attack upon the national honor as to an attack upon his own. In our republic, our well-being must correspond to the way in which the average citizen performs his everyday duties. One of the musical numbers on your program is the blue and gray. What an augury that a gathering such as yours tonight, of men who fought under Grant and Sherman, should select as one of your tunes a commemoration of the foes who fought bravely for what they considered the right, and that last year when we fought an alien nation, the sons of the men who wore the blue and the sons of the men who wore the gray fought shoulder to shoulder under those very men who wore the blue and those very men who wore the gray, showing the whole world that North and South and East and West in every class of society when it came to the call to arms are Americans, nothing more, nothing less. As a result of this row, we have assumed a great burden. Shame to us had we hesitated, but let us undertake it with an appreciation that is a serious matter. Having driven out the medieval tyranny of Spain from those islands, we are under bonds of honor to supplant it with something better, to govern them with firmness and righteousness for their own interest. Let us so carry out this task that the generations to come shall point with pride to the history made in the last of the 19th and the first of the 20th centuries. Governor Theodore Roosevelt, speaking of a unified nation. The month of June will be full of challenge uh, for us uh, as individuals, communities, and, and as a nation. I hope that Teddy Talks over the last two months and Teddy Talks going forward on a weekly basis gives you a bit of uh, insight uh, as to Theodore Roosevelt, but most especially some inspiration to uh, take up your duties. And those duties are to yourself and to your fellow human being uh, to define yourself as a citizen of your community and of the nation and indeed of the world. The uh, challenges ahead, we'll overcome them together. And I hope that uh, in your travels this summer, and if not uh, able this summer, then come this fall or winter or again next summer. And I hope that you'll uh, enjoy what we strive to do here in Medora, to connect people to place for positive life-changing experiences. We began our program with the April uh, 1st uh, commemoration of Theodore Roosevelt's capture of the boat thieves here on the Little Missouri River. Uh, we continued on April 8th uh, with uh, the anniversary of Theodore Roosevelt's return to Medora 20 years later 
as president of the United States. And he made his speech in the old town hall and uh, my shows now are in the old town hall theater, a building built right next door to the original uh, to replace that original. We hope that you'll come here, uh, travel Theodore Roosevelt National Park, see the place that some have called the cradle of conservation for some of the early writings and ideas uh, expressed by Theodore Roosevelt during his time and immediately hereafter. Perhaps th that will be on your way west to visit places like Yellowstone National Park, Glacier National Park, uh, the Tetons. Um, we've got uh, Devil's Tower, Theodore Roosevelt's first national monument nearby, and Mount Rushmore, where I do say I'm rather stone-faced. But I hope that uh, here you'll come and maybe we can have a cup of coffee or a hike. Uh, I am uh, looking forward today to uh, my first breakfast at Theodore's the dining room at the Rough Riders Hotel, Chef Michael Kuhn from Lake George, New York. It's a team effort here. I'm glad to be a small part of it. Looking forward to all of the activities here. I promised some uh, readings from Theodore Roosevelt in the Badlands. I think instead I'll speak from the heart today, but I think I'll make a, a Badlands reading, a, a portion of our every Saturday. But Theodore Roosevelt said, he would have never been president but for his experiences in North Dakota. He said that this was where the romance of his life began. He also said that were you to take away every memory of his lifetime and guarantee him but one, the one that he would choose to retain would be of his time as a cattle rancher along the Little Missouri when he lived close to nature and amongst men who did likewise. Wish you all the best. Uh, thank you so very much for being with us in the, uh, the uh, six times weekly broadcast of Teddy Talks. We'll begin on Saturday, June 6th. And what uh, the format might be is to uh, summarize uh, a bit of those uh, dates in history during that week. Also then to uh, sample some of these speeches uh, and writings of Theodore Roosevelt during that time period. And of course, on June 6th, we will commemorate uh, D-Day, uh, June 6th, 1944, the going ashore of not only American, but British, Canadian, free French forces. Ted Jr., Ted Roosevelt Jr. being amongst them the only general to go to shore that day. So we'll do a little something about uh, Ted Roosevelt Jr. that day as well. You can obviously tell I don't want to say goodbye. If you've stuck with us, thank you kindly. Uh, share the uh, message with your family and friends. Uh, we'll do some posting of the calendar and the topics to come. Most especially, we're looking forward to getting outdoors and doing so in a way that, again, is uh, careful, clean, cautious. Uh, we're going to move forward in Medora and do so uh, at a, uh, a safe social distance and, and uh, do so to the best of our ability. Do what you can with what you have where you are. Believe you can and you're halfway there. Keep your eyes on the stars and your feet planted firmly on the ground. Goodbye and good luck.